Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Here's the commissioner. With the fourth pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. I want to be the best at everything I do. And I feel like I am the best player at times, so that's my thought process. I just want to be the best. Indy just drafted an absolute freak at quarterback. Damn right I'm excited. But now you, you know, and then you sober up and say, okay, now we gotta now we gotta go play and make it work. I feel like I've been dealing with pressure my whole life. Uh, pressure isn't anything new for me. And then playing at the University of Florida, I feel like it was a lot of pressure and that as well. So uh, pressure doesn't do anything but create, you know, legend. So I'm made sure I'm prepared to the best of my ability. So I can make things work for this franchise. If you are what you say you are, a superstar, then have no fear. Finally, the bat off the shoulders of Chris Ballard. It was quite a mighty swing to the fences with the selection of Anthony Richardson at number four overall. A good Friday morning to you. An overcast start here to end the week. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, and Mark Dykton recapping um, for the first time in over three years, uh, in my opinion, the Colts have injected some hope uh, into the most important position in sports. Clearly, development will be needed with Anthony Richardson. That is without debate, but it is an injection of life and a long-term view, and we will dissect all of that today. Joe Wright's going to join us at 8.30, and we will hear your reaction as well. Jake, your thoughts? My thought was that Chris Ballard finally went along with the narratives that have been said about the Colts for a long time. Not to say that he was against those narratives, but once the time finally came, the Colts decided to go back to the future. Instead of the same the Colts are a team that has been built and based upon since Andrew Luck's retirement, essentially, getting by with other positions, either lifting the quarterback or offsetting the quarterback. And now they are following suit with the trend in the NFL of finally getting a quarterback that sets the trend for the rest of the offense by getting a guy. I think it's very clear that it came down to what you had mentioned was a possibility, Kevin, yesterday, that Shane Steichen, this was his influence and his pick. Not taking nothing away from Chris Ballard, but I think that the difference is they had a choice between going one of two offensive styles, kind of the traditional pro-style type player in Levis, even though Levis has some mobility, or going with the modern and moving forward quarterback in the Jalen Hurts style of Shane Steichen, and they went with the latter. You know, I think the debate we've had over the past few months, Jake, is just look at the AFC landscape right now, and what do you need to try and compete and hopefully thrive in this conference? 
And I think there is a big argument to be made for trying to take the biggest swing. And clearly, that was their thought process with this selection. You know, Shane Steichen came to Chris Ballard just a couple weeks on the job. And after watching some highlights of Anthony Richardson, Shane Steichen was pretty much like, wow. Um, that is stuff that you just cannot teach. Jalen Hurts, you know, doesn't have some of these athletic traits. Um, and then I think the more the Colts continue to do homework on him, uh, the in-person workout in Gainesville, bringing him here for a visit, um, really over the past month, that kind of solidified the complete profile of, all right, we believe that obviously the physical gifts speak for themselves, but that this guy is wired in a way where we feel like he can develop. Because, again, he's not, he can't even legally drink. Turns 21 next month. So you he is extremely young. And the questions are there about inexperience and accuracy and all that. But as Ballard said last night, we made this pick thinking about the future. Thinking about what he can grow, what he can get to eventually and down the road. Um, and, and, you know, I... Certainly have said this a lot here over the past few months, but you know when you think about the last three and a half years for this franchise, I mean, really, ever since Andrew Luck started having the shoulder issues in 2015, uh, they just have not had a quarterback that you could even say was close to ascending. And now they have at least attempted to go down that path, and they've done it with a guy that certainly brings a dynamic running element to your offense, him and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, from a run-pass option standpoint, is something that Shane Steichen has to absolutely love. And you've taken a swing for the fences, you're on base, and now it's up to Steichen and the atmosphere around him to you know, keep keep that guy on the base pass and you know, obviously try to hit a home run with it. Do you remember me asking, and I can't recall, Kevin, whether it was you or Zach Kiefer that I asked this to, it might have been both. Do you remember me asking the question of between Levis and Richardson, whichever one the Colts pass on, if both were available, which one had the higher potential of then plummeting in the draft? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it, I think both of you guys I asked, and both of you said you thought Levis. Um, I will li- listen. I mean, 100% me, whatever you want to call it, mea culpa. Yeah, I mean, I'm not overly worried about it. Let me, I mean, I'll read you the following tweet. This from David Burnett Sr., Precipitous fall for Will Levis. Not one mention of the new supposedly bad toe prior to the draft night. I'm sorry, now. Sorry, not one mention of the now supposedly bad toe prior to draft night. Indie media talking heads were dead certain the guy was going to the Colts. Can't wait to hear them moonwalking back their prediction and sources. Keep it 100, Jake Query. Okay. I, I will readily admit, I think... To say that we didn't talk about Anthony Richardson or C.J. Stroud is totally disingenuous. But I had said all along the name that I, the only name that I had publicly heard people around the Colts that they talked about going the furthest back was Will Levis. But I will admit this, Kevin, 100%, I'll stand on top of the monument and yell it out to anybody that wants to hear it. I had not heard a lot of concern about the toe injury being a potential holding him out of the first round issue for Will Levis. I had not heard that yeah. until after the fact. Yeah, man, I know he had played through a foot injury his final season, um, but to the fact that you know that would be a huge reason why he would fall out of the first round, no, I, I, I had not obviously heard it to that degree. Um, and we'll see, you know, if and when a team does trade up. You know, typically if you're interested in some quarterback, you look into the first round, the back end of the first round. Lamar Jackson, we saw with Baltimore about a handful of years ago, did that. 
Uh, the Colts have the fourth pick in the second round. Uh, so Miami had to forfeit their first rounder. So today you, you, you'll see, I think, is it Pittsburgh? Is that yes. leads off yeah. round two? Yep, because of the Bears' trace, Clay, Chase Claypool trade, yes. That is correct. Uh, so that'll be 32 um, to get things started. The Colts sit there at 35 and 31. then 79. Yeah, 32, I'm sorry, yeah. Uh, 35 and 79 for the Colts today. You know, one thing about Richardson that, you know, we had on, um, what was his name? Was it Dave Kelly? Something Kelly. Sean Kelly. Sean Kelly, the voice of uh, the Florida Gators back a few months ago. And he had only been on the job for one year in Gainesville. So I know he didn't get a whole lot into it, but Richardson's background is interesting. Um, This is a Gainesville guy. Um, moved there from Miami when he was 10. Um, decided to go to college, obviously, in Gainesville. Decided to wear Tim Tebow's number. Um, I get a little bit of Benedict Matherin off the court, off the field vibes from him. And by that, I mean this. He is extremely confident. The quotes speak for themselves. Um, but also he is very quick to acknowledge that there is work that is certainly needed. And I've always felt like that was a really interesting attribute from Matherin. Typically, if you're uber confident, borderline cocky, you don't mess around with, uh, oh, I need to do this extra. I need to do that extra. But in both of these two cases, I do feel like that is there. And I could be totally proven wrong, but I think it's, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, I know, has gushed about it with Matherin. And I feel like whether it's Billy Napier at Florida or it's listening to the Colts and their homework on Richardson, this is a guy that, again, will sit here and tell you, uh, hell, I think he has a tattoo that says he's one of one. And he knows he's got traits that the quarterback position hasn't seen in eons. But at the same time, he fully, fully realizes we got to make some big-time developments if I want to be known as one of the greatest of all time. I think the thing that is – I mean – Kevin, let me give you like the my gut like assessment in kind of reading everything about him, Richardson, from both sides, and then you get, I want you to grade me A to F, okay? Um, I would say it like this: Anthony Richardson is a player that there is a lot of very intriguing nature uh, th- there's a lot of intrigue about him because he has a lot of characteristics that have never yet been seen at the quarterback position that cause one to salivate by dreaming about what might be because of the fact that he is more athletic bigger and stronger than anyone really that we have seen at the position however the one pause with that is that the one thing about him that we have seen is that there are hiccups in his game that precedent shows are the ones that are the hardest to overcome when they are habits you already have in other words it is one thing in terms of just an accuracy with your timing that can be typically practiced or coached through but if it is a mechanics issue that's something that typically is taken care of before one comes out of college but he is young and you can overcome those perhaps but the law of averages says those would be the the only red flags is that the areas that held him back statistically speaking at florida are areas that usually a more mature player has taken care of by the time 
they're entering the professional rank. Yeah, I think the Colts look at it, Jake, and they're like, the fundamentals are not dried in cement. They they, they can still be I understand, molded a I, little bit. I understand, but what I'm saying is that, is, and, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but what I'm saying is if there is an area where you would say, if someone were to say, I'm buying a new car, tell me about the risk of this car. In this case, they would say, well, if you're asking me what the risks sure. are, oh, yeah. Th- yeah. then what I would tell you is the one area that you have to sell yourself into the fact that the mechanics are not in cement and hope that's the case because there is precedent that for some guys, those things have already been cemented. Yeah, I mean, touch is a question. Um, I would say probably more of the like just kind of basic throws. I mean, the arm down the field and the accuracy down the field actually is pretty good. The third and eight slant, right? Yeah, it's more just the basic stuff. I mean, if you want to use a golf analogy, the guy can bomb the driver, but you know what's his wedge game look like? That's where more of the question is. The other question I have is, and this comes down to experience, and I could be premature with this, but I got the vibe last night that Shane Seiken's going to be more willing to throw him into the fire earlier than maybe most think. And I am all in on that. I think you have to have game experience as early as possible. But I think a question you have, and this is why when you saw Lamar Jackson, and probably more of a, of a Cam Newton, play limited in college, you want to see these guys in big-time moments, down in the fourth quarter, those sorts of situations. How do they react? Because we all watch the NFL. Why do we love it? Because there's so much parity and so many one-possession games. And I think that is a question you have of, in 13 games, he was 6-7 and seven as a starter. You can't run from that. And in a game that he admitted he had circled on his calendar going against Will Levis in Kentucky this past year, knowing the NFL draft implications that just naturally come with such a game, Anthony Richardson had one of his worst games, maybe his worst, in college. So those are the questions that you have of this is a pretty poised quarterback when you watch pressure around him. I'm talking about like pass rush pressure. But when the games are on the line and the fourth quarter is here, is this a guy that's going to rise to that occasion? There's just no, there's just not enough of a sample at Florida to truly know that. You know, Bryce Young, you saw that moment after moment at Alabama. For Richardson, Way too small of a sample size. So that I, I I would throw in there as the other question outside of accuracy. But again, the Colts are banking on traits. They're banking on Shane Sykin's development. And right away, the dual threat ability of Richardson and Jonathan Taylor should give the Colts one of the more potent rushing attacks. And, and, and you know what? Another thought I had last night, Jake, and obviously this isn't the end-all be-all, but at least they're going to be a more entertaining product. They were I'm, boring as hell last year. Yeah, I mean, no, they were boring sure. as hell I'm last year. I'm curious, when, when did they hand the ball to him? I think earlier than a lot of people think. Because he, here's my thought also. And by the way, good morning to everybody on a Friday. Kind of an ugly start to the day. Uh, that's Kevin Bowen. I'm Jake Quarry. Mark Dykton here as well. It is Kevin and Quarry on 93.5. 107.5 The Fan. Joe Wright's going to join us on the program this morning. You heard him last night covering the draft for the Colts on this radio station. Mark, that's at what time? That is at 8.30. 8.30, Joe Wright's joins us this morning. Um, Kevin, the one thing I'll say is that when you look at the AFC, Trevor Lawrence, you've heard me say this a hundred times, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson now that we know is going to stay in Baltimore. No surprise there. Um, I, I don't know if I'd throw Deshaun Watson in this grouping, but Joe Burrow, if I didn't say him yet, Josh Allen. You know, there, there's a ton 
Patrick Mahomes, obviously. The AFC, Aaron Rodgers now. The AFC is stockpiled with quarterback talent. And what's interesting is I think the Colts tried to wedge like being a, you know, run the damn ball, that kind of a team a couple of years ago. But you, it's harder to do that when you have a quarterback that can't also do that, right? And now it feels like they're going to have more flexibility offensively of being able to play, albeit a little more modern version of it, but to play kind of keep away with the football. Does that make sense? Without a doubt. And that is a trait that I think, and Mark, you have that Shane Sykin clip, the um, Richardson as a runner and having the high floor, but I know Shane was also wanted to point out his throwing ability. I mean, from day one, as long as your offensive line just isn't totally crippled and Obviously, the offensive line had some issues, I'd say more in pass protection last year than in the run game. You should immediately be a pretty darn good rushing attack. And I think the hope is, with Richardson's run threat, that all of a sudden you're pulling a safety down into the box. And with Richardson, his strength, which you don't... I don't think it's always the case. Strong quarterback runners are not typically great down-the-field throwers. But those are two areas I think you would already slot in. Certainly his running element. And even his down-the-field strength is much more of a strength than kind of his short game passing. So right away, that kind of gives you a little bit of a, okay, what does your play-action game look like? What is your just simply creating more big plays? I think that is the hope with Richardson as well, is you're tapping into a little bit more of that. Uh, Mentioned on yesterday's show, if you want to talk dominant traits, Levis... Doesn't have it. Richardson certainly will bring a dominant trait right away with his running ability. Here was Shane Steichen on that last night. It definitely helps. I mean, when a guy can run and add that element to your offense, I mean, it's a, it's a big plus. It puts stress on defenses, and obviously he has that capability. But I, I, I just wouldn't sleep on his throwing ability either. I mean, he that ball comes out pretty now. He can spin it. He's got a huge arm, and he's made some huge plays in the past game. So we're excited to work with him. A couple things to keep in mind um, why the Colts are banking on this. Cam Turner, their quarterback's coach, uh, has history directly with Cam Newton and Kyler Murray. Um, So certainly when you talk about dual threat, you talk about young quarterbacks transitioning from the college game, that adds to it. A couple of offensive assistants that they've added this year from the Giants coaching staff. I think anybody that watched the Giants last year, they had a bit of a dual threat. Um offense with what Daniel Jones was as a runner and then obviously Saquon Barkley playing off of that so it's not just Shane Steichen that I think this young offensive staff there are guys in that building right now that have recent history with these types of quarterbacks so I think that kind of plays into a little bit more of the Colts thinking I don't know if it was smokescreen or not Um, I had heard that the Colts were listening to trade back calls as wild as that sounds um, Jake, your thoughts on Houston coming back up to number three and what the Colts would have done if Anthony Richardson was off the board? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I, I was a little surprised that Houston – give credit to Houston, right? The fact that – I was more surprised that Houston went Stroud. I'll, I'll give John McClain credit because when we had him on, he was like, listen, they are going to take quarterback number two, period. Now, he said Levis, and it was Stroud. But um, that was, to me, the bigger – area where I was impressed by Houston because whatever question marks were out there about C.J. Stroud, Houston's like, no, he's the second best player. And I thought he was at quarterback. 
for sure. Um, I saw somebody, Mark, it might have been you, that sent a tweet that said, like, Houston's going to be a problem. Yep. Uh, two players does not a franchise make. They got a long way to go. But, you know, I think they got – you could make the argument that they got the two best players in the draft, quite frankly. But it also might be a dry draft, so who knows? You know – let me give you the cynic variation. I'm not saying it was by design, but did Chris Ballard draft a quarterback that gives him the longest leash in terms of the patience necessary before that player truly gets evaluated? Um, I, I guess I understand where you're coming from on that. I think Shane Steichen had a lot of say in this, though, and, and that's who Shane... Shane wanted this type of quarterback. Um, I think when you look at the AFC right now, taking the biggest swing was what the Colts deemed necessary. And and clearly, the NFL told you a whole lot of what they think of of Will Levis and Hendon Hooker last night. I mean, clearly. So, um, I don't think... obviously in the Colts' minds, I don't think this was like a Richardson or a Levis. I mean, the fact that he dropped 27 spots after the Colts picked. Um, So, yeah, I I don't... But how many many teams were drafting in those spots, though, that were desperate for a quarterback? Well, I mean, desperate, no, but I think you see a lot of teams that aren't afraid to take quarterbacks to try and bridge that gap. Um, You know, I thought maybe the Raiders at 7. I mean, hell, Seattle and Detroit at 5 and 6. Falcons at 8. Certainly the Titans at 11. Um, you know, I think some people thought NFC-wise, what does Tampa do at 19? What does Minnesota do early in the 20s? Washington. Uh, Washington, of course. Um, and the fact that nobody then traded back into round one. You know, that's that's something, you know, it's, if I'm not mistaken, I think Green Bay traded up for Jordan Love. Um, you know, Baltimore did that with Lamar Jackson. That's typically like things that you see kind of late round one. Um, but no, I, I don't view that in a... Chris Ballard is sitting in his office saying, how do I prolong this job as much as possible? Um, I think it is a legit attempt to swing for the fences. And I've been saying for years they need to get the bat off their shoulders. And this is without a doubt a massive, massive swing. Again, that pitch could fly by you. I mean, and they- it could be a miss, but it is a huge swing at the most important position in sports and it's an injection of life this franchise desperately needed and now you bank on Shane Steichen's resume but they were going to what I'm saying is Kevin I think Richardson has you are correct the most upside of anybody and in that regard it's a huge swing but in terms of they were going to take a quarterback I mean I think we knew going into it they were going to take a quarterback they just happen to take the quarterback that has potential for the biggest moonshot home run, but also probably has the highest potential of the three to be Reggie Jackson on one knee with a swing and a miss. You think if Tennessee was that trade up to three and they take Richardson, the Colts then take Levis at four? Yes. Yeah, I... Um... Unless they unless they trade back and take and take Hooker, but they they were going to take a quarterback. I just feel like that Levis stuff was overblown. I I mean, clearly it was, but 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 I think yes, I think the Colts had interest in Levis. Do do they get 
I, you got to think those in Kansas City get him a jar of mayo tonight to be back in the green room for night two, right? There are, what, four players that are still left? Are there four? In, yeah, there were four that were in the green room. Wow, that's more than usual. How about Mel Mel Kuyper's? Um, Kuyper was extremely high on Levis, but outside of that, I thought I saw where Kuyper got 29 of the 31 picks right. That's impressive because on That's NBA really good. on NBA nights usually it's like they got six picks correct. You know you're like really. I mean, Joey Porter Jr. still on the board. He was outstanding against Purdue in the opener. Michael Mayer, Notre Dame tight end, uh, still on there. I think it was expected the local guys here. Juju Brents from Warren, Dewan Jones from Ben Davis, both out there. I fully expect to hear their names called tonight. Again, the Colts pick at 35, and then again. Coming up at 79. We'll take your calls. uh, 317-239-1070. As Jake said, Joe Wright's going to join us here. Coming up at 830. Um, The plan today for Anthony Richardson, um, we got him on Zoom last night. Uh, I believe he is supposed to be flying to Indianapolis. I would assume, nothing set in stone by any means, I'd assume some afternoon press conference for him. I'd like to think maybe JMV could get him on. We'll, we'll we'll see exactly what the plan looks like for Anthony Richardson the rest of the day. But uh, that's the plan. And then tonight, what is it? Is it 7 or 7.30 for things tonight? For round two, whatever time Pittsburgh decides to start right now. Let's see. Um, is tonight 2 and 3? 2 and, two three. and 3, yeah. Yep. 7 o'clock? Looks like 7. Okay. Were there any major surprises to you in round one? So, other than Levis, I mean, Levis is the big one, but you know, obviously, like as soon as the pick happens, I'm kind of just like focused on okay, Richardson getting stuff out. But I will say, I had like an audible gasp when I heard Detroit took a running back at like Mm -hmm. twelve. Yeah, Jameer Gibbs, is that right? Yeah. And then every time I looked up, it looked like the Eagles were drafting a Georgia defensive lineman. (laughs) Boy, and one of them did a a little finger thingy with. Oh boy. Did you see that with uh, Goodell? Oh, no, I missed that. Was that Jalen Carter or is that yeah, Nolan Smith? Yeah, Jalen Carter, like they pointed at each other and then locked fingers and did like a little thumb more dealio. Oh. One, two, three, four. Yeah, I declare a thumb more. Yeah. Five, six, seven, eight. No You know what I had attacks. stuck in my head, Kevin? I, I, the cemetery song? Yes. Oh, I thought Dominic yes. the Foe. How, how did you know that, Kevin? Welcome to my cemetery. Okay, okay. This is where you will be buried. <laughs> I had that. That's I, the jar of mayo the Levis family I is I looked singing. at my Fitbit this morning and it said that I last was night. awake for 37 minutes last night and got a total of three hours and 13 minutes of sleep. That's about what like, I got, too. And that song was stuck in my head the whole time. Are you singing it to Boo? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, what, yeah. the, what are you saying? Uh, anything else stand out to you guys? Mark, your Bears got a Darnell right tackle. Wright. Is that yes. correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that Jalen Carter was there at nine, and they traded back one spot and let the Eagles grab him, and they took Darnell Wright, which that's fine by me. Protect Justin Fields at all costs. So I do expect the Bears to address edge and defensive line heavily uh, these next few picks. I'll tell you one and thing. And B. John Robinson at eight with the Falcons, I thought oh, was kind of crazy. It was a very like, win-now move by the Falcons. Yeah. And the so Falcons are they in on Desmond Ritter? Holes. I don't know. They're going to have to. I mean, they've got to at least give him a shot, right? I'll, I'll tell you one thing that jumped out at me. And this always makes me mad. It always makes me mad when players from a school that I don't like at all and I want to root everything against them 
and everything else. And, and when I watched them play, they drove me crazy because they made big plays for teams that I didn't want to root for. And then I see them interviewed or I read about them and I go, that is a really impressive guy. I thought Jackson Smith and Jigbo, when he got drafted and did his interview, all I could think to myself is, that is a really, really nice young guy. And the whole time I was thinking, and I hated him at Ohio State. And then I almost felt bad. I had to remember it's Ohio State, so I didn't feel so bad. But I, I just thought he was super impressive. And he is and, and he is one that I had kind of forgotten about. And then well, he goes up this year. Yeah, well, I know he missed the vast majority of the year, right? But he you know, he's walking across the stage for Seattle at twenty, and I'm thinking to myself, Boy, that's a guy that looked like a top 10 pick every time I saw him play. And I know he was hurt. He had, I think it was a hamstring for the majority of the season um, and didn't play. But, man, he could flat out fly. And and then listening to him, I just thought, you know what? I kind of want, I, I want to root for that guy. Obviously, C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson to the Houston Texans, the other AFC South picks, a couple offensive tackles. Uh, Peter Skaronsky, is that right? I guess he could play guard uh, to the Titans. And then the Jags got a tackle out of Oklahoma. How about, and, uh, how about Lucas Van Ness's uh, party that he had going on? Yeah, I, I'm not I a big did, fan of the Packers, but... I did nice. uh, see your tweet on that. And some people were appreciative of the levis camp as well mm-hmm. now who was the was that the kid for iowa that as he was being interviewed some somebody else like was like jumping all over him and they actually physically pulled yeah the kid off of mm-hmm. him yeah is this his brother kirk <laughs> ferentz no there's a lot going on on that couch yeah. though do you remember the jacob eason moment during the draft oh sure yeah coming down the hallway mm-hmm. nice saturday morning whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. For Jacob Eason leading into being picked in round four. Speaking of fathers and sons in their car on this Friday morning, this one here. Uh, can I get a shout out from Finley, Ohio? We've got Mitchell Soup Campbell. How great is that name? <laughs> and his son, Big Easy. That is E Z on the letters there. How great is Soup? Do you think Soup was a fullback back in the day? I think Big Easy's cooler. But Soup, yes. Joe, Joe writes, who had the best nickname when you were on the Colts? Oh, when I was playing? Yeah. Any any good nicknames uh, in that locker room? Yeah, it'd be, it'd be tough to come with the best. Um, I don't know. We, we didn't have a ton of great ones in terms of the O-line. It was pretty boring, like, you know, AC and... Uh, Hager and yeah, it, it would we not not a lot of great nicknames for us. Nothing like soup. Yes, yeah, soup is strong right there. If you're soup, that's a that's a strong strong name. So speaking of and uh, AR15, I found out that was the nickname of uh, Anthony Richardson, who we drafted. We'll be interested to see if that nickname continues. But um, man, what a night last night, huh, fellas? I didn't realize, Joe, because I was listening to you guys last night. When Rick Venturi, yourself, and Matt Taylor, and great job by all three of you guys, um, breaking down really each and every pick of the draft. But I was listening to you guys when when Rick had mentioned the AR-15 aspect, and, and I kind of thought the same as you, Joe, of like, 
and, and I don't necessarily want to open this can of worms, but I thought, okay, in today's climate and culture within the country, you know, for that nickname, and Kevin, you had mentioned that Anthony Richardson himself had said he kind of wants to back away from the I nickname, thought, right? I mean, obviously he wears 15. Right, um, right. It's his jersey number, right. and I think a little bit of Tim Tim Tebow there from the Gainesville native. I, I thought he had kind of, I don't know, backtracked that. And obviously we yeah. heard him when he was selected last night. You know, he, he made it very clear right away of, you know, Cam Jackson, the Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, uh, that, you know, he, he's going to you know try and whatever, uh, go down his, his own path. But, Joe, what I was saying about the pick, and I want your thoughts on this, Joe Wrights, because, you know, you've, you've obviously played in and seen the game in a much closer lens th- than I, but I thought this was last night the Colts officially turning the page – into a new era of style of play of football and finally embracing kind of getting away from and at no disrespect to some of the players they've had or the formats that they have used I thought the Colts were trying to kind of win with a style that was becoming antiquated and this immediately puts them in the DeLorean and sends them back to the future your thoughts I think that's a great take, Jake. You know, Rick Venturi made the point, you know, whether they draft Levis or Richardson, it's really a bet on the next 10 years and what the NFL is going to look like in 10 years. And just from, you know, my time playing, you know, retiring six years ago, the NFL's changed so much in terms of the Saturday offense creeping in, and you have to have a mobile quarterback now. And I think, for me, this pick is exciting for a couple reasons. One, I do think Richardson has the highest ceiling of anybody in the draft. Now, he's clearly young. He's got a lot of work to do. He's not yet 21. But to me, this pick is a little bit more of an NBA pick where you're drafted on potential. And Chris Ballard even said, we're drafting him to what he could be, not what he is right now, where the traditional thinking in the NFL is, hey, we got to draft a guy that can come in and start day one, and he's close to his full potential. But this pick for the Colts really is the last 25 years we've had great quarterback play and won a lot of games and a lot of trophies with a traditional pocket passer. This is, hey, the next 10 years, the NFL, the new NFL, Shane Steichen, who did it as good as anybody's done it with Sirianni and Hurts and Philly, say this new type of offense, this Saturday afternoon offense blended with a Sunday passing. We can win at Philly, and they were a – Phantom or not, defensive holding penalty away from winning the Super Bowl, and now we're going to get a guy with some of those same traits, actually some better athletic traits, and we can build this franchise and this offense in this new version of football around your new quarterback, Anthony Richardson. Joe, if you were in that locker room and you were watching that last night, and let's say you had been on whatever, you, you, you'd you been with the franchise since Andrew Luck retired, what would your reaction have been in seeing that selection for that type of player at that position? It would have been excitement because I think, you know, every guy that's in the locker room, it's exciting to think about the what ifs and what could our offense look like, not only next September, but the September after. And I think the combination of Richardson's athleticism is, you know, uh, really, you know, ability to run the football. And what, what he's good at right now is running the football making plays and throwing the ball far downfield. Explosive plays is what I think about. Now you combine it with Jonathan Taylor, one of the best running backs. Instantly, Jonathan Taylor's running game, things are going to open wide up. Why? Because you've got an extra guy. The defense has got to defend 12 guys in an extra gap. That takes less pressure off the offensive line. And in time, it'll free up our wide receivers 
because now teams have the decision to make. we got to bring an extra guy up to account for this running game and the QB powers and sweeps and options. And so now we're going to get one-on-one coverage, and so those guys just have to be able to beat press man and one-on-one. So I think it opens up so much. If I'm an offensive player, it's exciting, it's dynamic because it's new. It's been done really well in Baltimore with Lamar. It's been done, I would arguably, better um, in Philly the last year. And there's going to be so many changes offensively. As an offensive lineman, I love it too. You know why? Because we're not standing back there in the pocket and waiting for defensive linemen to come in and collapse a quarterback that's not mobile. we got a guy that's going to be out in space and moving. We're going to be running the football a lot more, zone read concepts, different types of things as an old lineman you can be aggressive. So that's where I have a lot of excitement with Richardson. Again, I think uh, expectations all need to be tempered, right, because if this guy was going to come in and light the world on fire day one, Carolina would have drafted him with a number one overall pick, right, if that was a consensus. But his ceiling is the highest of anybody in the draft. And if you're going to take a swing on these, you know, one of these four quarterbacks, you know, you're taking a swing on the guy with the biggest chance of potential. And, you know, potential is exciting, right? The hope, the excitement, what could we be like for the next decade? That's exciting. And that's the feeling I got last night talking to Colts fans in the building and, you know, talking with friends and family this morning. Joe, is you, Joe Wrights is our guest on the Payless Sugars Hotline. Let's say, for the sake of argument, that the Colts now decide, okay, we have this young player in Anthony Richardson, and I think we both know, to your point, that the, it, I don't think they, they're thinking of him as a plug-and-play guy, right? I mean, they're going to they're gonna let this kind of org- organically grow. But if they decide that they want to now draft weapons for him, because he's got a huge arm, if they decide they need, like, let's say, deep ball receivers or more playmaking tight ends, whatever that may be, <clears throat> are there areas of need for the Colts right now that they can set aside in order to draft offensive players. And other do you get what I'm asking there? Like like yeah. are they strong enough at other positions? Are they good enough? Or are there still needs that are like, you know what, this doesn't necessarily directly affect the quarterback, but it is a big enough need they have to address it now in round two. Yeah, you always want to draft more on best talent than need, especially early in the draft. That's the the best long term solution. For me, the three biggest positions in need are edge rusher, cornerback, and receiver. And I think, man, I love Nolan Smith. He kept falling and falling, and I'm like, man, for some reason he gets to the second round, we might be able to take him. But he went off the board at 30 to Philly. I think that the fourth pick tonight, which the Colts have, there's going to be a really good corner or receiver that they're going to like. And I would expect one of those two positions. That's my gut because I think those are both positions in need, and I think the way the draft shook out in the first round, the depth at those two positions is higher maybe than edge rusher right now. Also, you're going to expect somebody's probably going to take Levis with the first one, two, or three pick and maybe trade up because he's still on the board. So there's going to be a really good player at positions, but I would think that receiver or corner are our two biggest needs right now. Obviously, receiver would give Richardson another weapon, but corner, definitely a need with us trading Gilmore in the offseason. You heard him last night, obviously, the Fishers native, Joe Wright's former Colt offensive lineman with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joe, I want to go back to 2012 for you. Um, Reggie Wayne was telling a story earlier this week about when Andrew Luck was drafted, Reggie kind of said to him, hey, um, let me handle the offense you know, from a leadership standpoint, and then whenever you are ready, you just let me know and I'll back off. And, and and you take over. And Reggie said he felt like kind of mid-ish November in that rookie season, that was when Andrew said, all right, 
I think I got this. Um, do you recall any moments like that with Luck? You know, I, I know I don't think he was here right away in the spring. I think he still had to finish some classes at Stanford. But do you recall any of those moments back in 2012? I mean, the one that sticks out to me most is our very first OTA practice he's a part of. We have a protection, and basically, let's think, as an O-line, we're sliding right. So we're sliding to the right side of the field if a linebacker corner blitzes. And Andrew basically said, well, based on the coverage, they're going to be pressure from the left. Why can't we make an opposite call and switch the protection over there? And right then and there, we made a new call and protection and switched it. And I remember us O-linemen looking around, we're like, all right, we got a guy right here. And so I think Andrew's, his leadership characteristics were just unique, and he was ready. He was the surefire draft plug-and-play day one. And I think that's the difference with him and Richardson. Richardson might be the starter day one. He very well might not be. But you got a guy in Minshew who's a great bridge to this next generation. And the nice thing, too, is Minshew's been in Philly's offense, and he's athletic enough to run the offense. He's not clearly Richardson's level, but – if you're Shane and Jim Bob, I think right now you're building the offense and concepts around Richardson, but you also know you got a guy in place that Richardson doesn't have to start day one if he's not ready. I think that's what's important, to kind of temper expectations with the fan. If he's not the day one starter, it doesn't mean he's not going to reach his full potential. He might you know, take over midseason. It might be next season. Who knows? I look at what Pittsburgh did last year with Pickett. I thought that was really strong. You know, Tomlin was very upfront. Hey, the rookie's not ready yet. Trubisky's going to start. He's earned it. And all of a sudden, Pickett, he, he got in midseason. And they beat the Colts, and they ended up winning nine games and almost made the playoffs. And now he's got a lot of confidence to take the reins over a year or two. I think that's a good kind of template on how they did things. And I would expect maybe something similar from the Colts uh, this season. But to be clear, you have a guy you're building your franchise and offense around. So all those concepts are going to be what can he do and maximize his skill set. But it's also okay, in my opinion, if he doesn't have the keys to the kingdom day one out of the gate, because I think that's a little bit unfair to a guy that does lack a little bit of the experience that traditionally, you know, a top five quarterback has. Okay, I kind of want to go there next, and you certainly uh, provided some detail on that. You know, w- would you look at trying to incorporate him in any sort of like run game, short yardage, red zone package early on? I mean, you, you seem to give the indication you are totally content with him sitting for quite a while in 2023. Yeah, but I think to your point, if he's not the day one starter, you have a, a package of plays for Richardson that maybe gets 10, 15 snaps a game, and he comes in and does different things that he's really good at. And then, you know, you kind of build it slow and steady over time. Again, this is a draft pick for the franchise that changes the direction in a positive way, but it's a 10-year plan, right? And you're not going to rush the 10-year plan to try to mortgage the farm and and do all these things day one. So in that, I think it's good. And I think the fact he's coming in with a new head coach and obviously they're kind of tied together, you know, they got time to build this thing the right way for long-term sustained success. Because the reality is, with Aaron Rodgers coming into the AFC, Lamar Jackson signing a five-year deal. I mean, nine of the top ten quarterbacks in the NFL are in the AFC right now. And you got to be able to beat the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs for the future, let alone our own division. And I think, you know, they got uh, Stroud now, and, and there's some good young quarterbacks in our division too. So it's exciting. I definitely think the balance of power in the NFL is in the AFC. And if you're the Colts, you got to keep in mind that, we want to build this thing for success for the long term, and I think that's you know what their plan is going to be. Joe, the reality is, Anthony Richardson is, and it's 
you almost forget this because I, I think we forget how big Andrew Luck was, right? I mean, he's just a big dude. And Anthony Richardson is a big dude. He looks like Bo Jackson. But the point being, Andrew Luck is big and as athletic, and I think he's athletic as he was, in the end, the the abuse that his body took from being a quarterback that was running ended up shortening his career. How do the Colts avoid that again? Yeah, it's tough. And you have the same discussions about Lamar Jackson and Hurts. And, and to me, it's all about the type of hits you're taking and direct hits. You know, I think there's a reason that you watch Marvin Harrison. You know, he never took any direct hit, right? He was going down. He was sliding at angles, et cetera, because he was able to pre- preserve his body for the long term. And I think that's something to important. So that's very important when you're coaching Richardson on running, talking about when it makes sense to slide, when it makes sense to run out of bounds, and when it makes sense maybe to you know lower your shoulder once in a while and try to pick up that first down when you actually need it. So I think you know coaching him in terms of the running because you know in college he was running by everybody, which is a good sign. If you're running by people in the SEC, which is the best defensive conference by far, you're still going to be able to run guys by guys in the NFL. But that's where it's important. There's a big difference in calling. Uh, 20 design QB runs per game and calling five, right? And I think that's what, you know, we're seeing in the NFL with some of these different teams and how they're approaching their package. So it's all about the combination of incorporating what he does best right now, that Saturday-type offense, but implementing the NFL passing concepts and what he can do. To, his accuracy is obviously one of the biggest question marks, and that's where, you know, he really needs to improve. He throws the deep ball well, but – you know, you got to be able to throw the 15-yard out or you got to be able to throw the 20-yard dig route across the middle and accuracy-wise, and that's what I'm sure they're going to be working on from day one fundamental-wise and improving his technique uh, in the passing game overall. One of the things, and Joe writes, I want your, your reaction to this. One of the things I read yesterday was the area of pause with Anthony Richardson to some was – the areas where he fell short, accuracy in particular, that the thought is that those were areas that were short because of his mechanics, and the mechanics are issues that typically players going into the NFL have solved or figured out by the time they're at this level, and that there is a little bit of concern of teaching an old dog new tricks. And I know he's a young dog in NFL terms, but that these are things that should have been worked out in high school or early in college. Your thoughts? I think that's definitely a fair pause, and I'm sure that that was the reason why some teams maybe didn't have him as high. But I think, again, you're you're drafting – the unknown a little bit and what he can be. I mean, if he went back to college for another year and played 12, 13 more games, what would his accuracy and stats be like? But it's no different than I mentioned the NBA a little bit. Guys come out a year earlier and they got the potential and now they got the chance to work on ball 12, 14, 16 hours a day. And you got to think that his ability to get better is going to be at a much higher rate than if he was still in college because he's going to have every resource available to him and he's going to have all of the advantages of being in an NFL system and literally just being able to focus on football all day, every day. And so I think what's most important for him is just, obviously it's exciting right now and it's the draft, but once you get out on the grass and you're in that first OTA practice, nobody talks about the draft. It's just about how can I get better day in, day out and having a process-based system where he's getting as much reps as he can all the time. I think that's what's so important for him just to live at the facility and just really hone in to all the things that he needs to do to get better at and know that, you know, it's not going to be an overnight fix on some of these things, but 
you know, the day in, day out compounding interest value of just working really hard and honing in all the little details, technique, everything he needs to do, command of the offense. That's what's going to be exciting for me to watch his progression, how he is the first OTA in May. Joe, last and one. going to be in the preseason. Sorry about that, Joe. Uh, last one. Obviously, you became a mainstay here and certainly a core player. You were not always that throughout your career. So I'm just curious, when like day two or day three of the draft rolled around and you were like on teams, did you watch the draft out of like, man, I'm really hoping they stay away from the offensive line here? Like, Do, do, do you guys think like that? A, a thousand percent. You, I wouldn't always watch it, but you're checking your phone the updates, and it's like, Oh, great. We draft another offensive lineman. Or it's like, good, we didn't draft another offensive lineman. So I definitely think for guys that are on the, the back half of the roster, you're always watching that. But the reality is there's always going to be competition. The NFL is the most competitive job market in the world. That's what makes it great. But you know at the end of the day, you, you got to control what you can control. And it's all about if I'm good enough to play in the NFL, there'll be a spot for me somewhere. That was always my approach. But I'd be lying to say, and I'd bet 95% of people – Everybody's watching the draft closely and, and hoping in the back of their mind that they don't draft somebody at their position. Okay, last one for me, Joe. Uh, first pick that the Colts make in round number two is going to be if you had to wager it right now, or if you had to predict it, I guess I'd say, what position? Uh, it's going to be a cop-out, but receiver or corner. I really think that with our fourth pick tonight, receiver or corner, both positions in need, both I think have really good value still on the board. That's what I would be predicting uh, for the Colts tonight. But it'll be exciting uh, to see uh, what we come up with here in round two. And, and the draft is just always super exciting. So fired up, as you can see this morning, for the new future of the Colts and what this team's going to look like when we roll the balls out for real in September. Joe, great work last night. Energy as always. Glad you uh, enjoyed the indoor facility. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll cross paths soon. All right. Sounds great. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Jake. Kevin, you know the answer? Yes. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Kobe Bursett, and then the Coney Island Thrasher, I think is what Chuck Pagano called Josh Freeman. That is the correct answer. I actually thought of and then looked up to verify Ricky Turner, who was the wishbone wonder that Ron Meyer brought off of a con or cement truck. The former Washington State quarterback played three games, I think it was, for the Colts to run the wishbone in the 88, I think it was 88 or 89 season. Um, He never started, though. Played a lot, but didn't start. Absolutely love the wishbone. I want the Colts to trade up for a fullback today. (laughs) Yeah, Josh Freeman. Remember the other quarterback when they did the kind of the spot duty game to win that season finale? I know this. Hold on. Hold on. If you hadn't asked me, uh, Ryan. Oh, yeah. Ryan Lindley. Ryan Lindley, an Aztec of San Diego State. 
Oh, you want cue the, the audio. Finally, I mean, how many you ass- think I have San Diego hey, listen, State? How many Aztec clips queued up and ready to play go? during the tournament? Mark, listen, we need to have a meeting here about. No, I know you're eating your cereal over there, but yeah, we I need wish you. I had some you know, can we get you some Red Bull or some coffee, some mayo in the coffee? Been some up since one thirty in the morning, so I'll take anything you got what, right what, now. Do we have to retire the plop sound after last night, or is that the yes. sound of Will Levis's yep, drop? Yep, hold the mayo. Well, it is that. Will Levis. Yeah, Mrs. Levis. I believe. Yeah. We'll take your calls, your reaction, Anthony Richardson, or tweets at KPO1070 at jQuery 317-239-1070. Let's start off with David. David, your thoughts on Anthony Richardson. Hey, guys. Um, thank God we don't have to have mayo or coffee. But um, my thing is, is uh, <laughs> Jim Mersey, if he does really good during preseason and they set him for the first couple games, when will Jim Mersey go to Shane Eichen? I can say, hey, I need Anthony Richardson now. You know, the thing about Richardson, um, Jake, I think he can help you out from day one just in like the running packages. So I'll be curious to see in September if they say, hey, you know what, we're going to start Gardner Minshew, but we're going to incorporate Richardson in the short yardage and the red zone, kind of ease him in that way. You know, when will Ursay go to Steichen? I don't think Ursay is going to be in some like demanding of playing time. Um, I could be totally off base, but I get the vibe that Shane Steichen is going to be more willing to turn to Anthony Richardson in 2023 than most head coaches would be. Think so? I know this is like a very layup comparison, Jake, and some injuries have played into it, but look at how much like Trey Lance's growth has been stunted by yeah, that's, a lack of playing and time. And as well in Green Bay. Uh, you know. yeah, you, you know, we got this Jordan... Like, I, I get At that some there's point, a, you've got to just go, right? Yeah, and, and I get there's like nervous energy about, oh, you don't want to throw him in there too, too quickly. I am baptism by fire. I say play him. Um, so right away, he can help you out from a run standpoint. Uh, but again, I, I, I think Shane Steichen will be more willing. Where the Colts' bye week falls, and again, the schedule will come out here in a few weeks, might have some play into that. Uh, but it would not stun me if Anthony Richardson is starting games this season. One thing I read about Richardson, Kevin, was... Obviously, he didn't give teams pause, but one thing that will be maybe an adjustment for him is the fact that that I did read somewhere that because of his athleticism and everything else, that at Florida, he did run in the 13 games that he played, and I don't know if it was because of Anthony Richardson or just their offense in general, but they ran a fairly vanilla style playbook. Like it wasn't an overly expansive playbook. So he's going from regularly doing long division to now where he's got to do algebra. That's not to say he can't do algebra, but you you know what I mean? He's never had to do algebra before because he's only had to do long division. Yeah, I've certainly heard kind of mixed reactions on how people view that Florida offense. I do think, and I know Shane Second didn't want to go there last night, you got to think a lot of what they did with Jalen Hurts is what they would want to do with Anthony Richardson. Um, Let's go to uh, Phillip. What's up, Phillip? Hello, Philip. He's there. You there? Nope. Are you with the Levis family? <laughs> Philip's in the green room. Does It'll have great reception. Is the next quarterback Levis or Hooker off the board? I was wondering that too. I think it might be Hinton Hooker because we're getting into the Hinton Hooker known category, right? Known territory. This is about where he was going to be. Mark's yelling for us to take Gary. What's up, Gary? Hey, how you doing? Good, Gary. How are you? Sorry about that. What's your name? I'm doing good. Just have an outside the box question. 
<laughs> I already, I already love where this is heading. You sound like a fun guy, Gary. Are you, and you're wide awake this morning, aren't you? I am. I just got off at six o'clock this morning. Oh, really? What's uh, what sort of work do you do, Gary? I work in the healthcare industry. Okay, oh, well, thank good you for you, for that, Gary. Yeah, thank you. All right, go ahead with your wild outside the box thought. Do you think the coach take Will Levis oh, at the top of the second round? Do you work for Dukes, Mayo? <laughs> you know uh, what, Gary? Gary, let me tell you something. You, what time did you go into work last night? 10 p.m. 10 p.m. At about 11 o'clock last night, you were an hour into work. Yep. I actually was on my way home. Mm-hmm. I had a bunch of school stuff to do last night. I went out to get something. And I actually thought to myself as I was walking to my car, mm-hmm. how crazy would it be if the Colts took Will Levis and then just went ahead and covered both their bases on two guys to see which one to make sure that they didn't swing and miss in the draft where they more need a quarterback than any draft outside of the luck draft of the last 20 years? Same thing I was thinking, and that's why I wanted to just ask you guys that question. Now, and it's kind of outside the box, but just wanted to see what you guys would think. The thing is this, Gary. I think the answer is zero percent chance, yeah, but I don't think it's. Zero. But but Appreciate I thought the, the same thing. I, I I thought the exact same thing, and then immediately thought they can't do that because they have too many needs elsewhere. I mean, that, that's the bottom line. They they found their guy. They're going to stick by their guy. The one thing we know is that when you have quarterback by committee, you don't have a quarterback. You, but, you don't have enough reps to go around. Well, that's it. I mean, but I. In all honesty, I don't think it's at the dumbest question ever, but it's just the fact that they have too many other needs. And when you draft a young quarterback like that, you have to let that young quarterback know you are unequivocally our guy and then roll with it. Boy, I couldn't agree more with this from Brad. Uh, Anthony Richardson's mobility will artificially make the offensive line look drastically improved from last year. That is so true. Uh, Okay, here are some teams drafting here in the first 10 spots tonight. Where does Will Levis go? Detroit. The Rams. Seattle. And then drafting 41 overall, the Titans. Detroit. The Rams. Seattle. And the Titans. Any of those teams jump out at you? Seattle. Seattle, I think, is a possibility. But they just, how long did they just sign Geno Smith for? I think it was like a three-year deal, but I'm pretty sure a lot of it was front-loaded. Right, what about the Rams post-Stafford? Also possible. Michael, what do you- L- let me look at the – if you look at the second round, Pittsburgh, no. Okay, Arizona, no. Okay, I, the, I'm, I'm looking here at who else is going to be. Yeah, I mean, you're – New Orleans – yeah, at I mean, Carr Car just got a, a you know obviously a pretty big deal. So I mean, it's going to be somebody that that it says we're going to give it a year or two. Titans would be interesting in transition. Yeah, you know they get a well. The Titans though would probably be better off taking Hinton Hooker, wouldn't they? Sure, because they've got if it's a guy that they're going to wait a year before they hand the baton over to them, then one would think Hinton Hooker would make sense there also for the obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Even though that doesn't seem to in the NFL mean much in terms of oh he's going to sell tickets. I mean you know I put money on the Titans selecting Hooker, so we'll see. Uh, let's go to Paul. What's up, Paul? Alex, how you doing? Doing great. How are you? I'm good. Uh, now, in the second round, what I would love to see the Colts do um, is trade up uh, 
what, a 32nd pick, uh, trade their second pick and maybe a fifth-round pick, and draft Jalen Hyatt uh, to go with Anthony Richardson. And That's some speed right there. Exactly. Since we didn't re-sign Paris Campbell, let's get him in here and uh, let's let this young offense grow together. Paul, sign me up for that. I, I said in the mock that I did, I had Richardson going four, and then I had Tyler Scott from Cincinnati, who who has kind of a bit of a T.Y. Hilton bolt, uh, build to him. I believe last year it was eight catches over 30 yards for him. We know what Chris Bauer thinks of the Cincinnati program. Um, so I think that is a name. 35 might be a hair early for him. But, Jake, when we've talked about wideout before, I've mentioned this. You've got enough power forwards in the room. You need to go get some point guards. You need to get different body types. You need to diversify that room. And Richardson's biggest strength as a passer is downfield stuff. So go get a burner. I think if he is available when the Colts are drafting here in the second round, they go with Joey Porter Jr. Because they've got to get... Corner is a, de- a definite need. It is. and there's. Do you rely on that depth, though? Whereas wide receiver might be a little bit more scarce? Well, I don't know... How deep a receiver draft was this thought to be? I know that it was thought to be a pretty deep corner draft as well. It's probably one or the other, right, in terms of who you get. They do need – Kevin, they need playmakers. I mean, there's no doubt. But but I just think they – and they kind of painted themselves into this corner. I use that phrase a lot. But they kind of backed themselves into the corner, did they not, of needing a – of needing a corner. Because they let – you know, they they trade away Stephon Gilmore – I think you got to support the QB first, especially with this QB needing development. You, you, you want to make sure that the infrastructure around him is as sound as possible. I, I'm not going to throw a huge fit if they go corner, but I'm going wide out right here because I think that that falls off more than what it about, does. What at about big time tight end? Yeah, I mean, again, the Notre Dame in me would love to see Michael Mayer, but I think wide out's a bigger need than than tight end. I would agree with that. I, Tight end, they don't need a tight end unless it is a, like I said, a Kittle slash Kelsey type tight end, and those guys hardly grow on trees. Uh, Joe writes in 30. Let's get one more in. Uh, Let's go with Eric here. What's up, Eric? I'm good. How you guys? We're good, man. Happy Friday. You too, man. So what about... uh... Harrison Jr., is he coming out, or what's the status on him? He's not eligible till next year. Next year? Yeah. He would have, right. if he was eligible this year, his name would have been called last year before 9 o'clock. But he is not uh, eligible till next year. Thanks, Eric. Take one more. I think maybe the weekend started a little earlier for Eric on that one. He, he was on the, he's like, yeah, I think they should take Harrison. I'm like, Harrison Jr.? He's like, yeah. Like, All right, hang on. Let's go, let's go to JJ. Rosie loves her friend JJ at school. What's up, JJ? Hey, what's up, fellas? How Mark, we doing? I'm Jake. Y'all doing all right? Yeah, you? Good, good, good. Hey, I think that's a good pick by uh, the Colts. Uh, I think Gardner Minshew should at least get in there and start. Uh, I, I do like you know throwing Richardson in there and getting him going, but Minshew, he's a, I mean, he's consistent. That's very good. And... Uh, also, just real quick, because you got to get off of here. The Mayo thing, that was hilarious. I'm glad that you guys are starting to talk a little bit more about the Cubs instead of that Reds noise. 
Whoa. Let's give some Cubs, the Cubs some love, baby. <laughs> Hell yeah, JJ. JJ whenever. Call Mark, of the was day. that a planned call by no, you? No, no. Caller of the day, JJ right there. Gosh. I am so oh, glad. Where are you go? Reds have won three in a row. Don't look now. Are you going to abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going to abandon following this team? I am so glad that we never have to do that mayo crap again. <laughs> hey, I mean, I think the mayo is still in the fridge. Hey, I haven't looked. I he think gets it's still drafted there. by the Titans tonight, twice a year. Will Levis on the schedule, and yeah. we got to break out the mayo for those moments. Absolutely. By the way, the Colts schedule next year. Obviously, you'll see C.J. Stroud a couple times. How about Anthony Richardson versus Bryce Young? You'll see the Panthers as well. Is that a is that a Thursday nighter? Is that a nice Thursday night appeal? Anthony the Richardson, of An- the Bryce sele- Young, the selection of Anthony Richardson give the Colts maybe an extra primetime game at Ooh, some point. I, I, I might be a hair that? premature on that because you don't know if he's going to start. Yeah, you don't know when when they're going to put, put it him late in. in the season. Gardner Minshew is the guy that that we easily forget about in the fact that I, I like Gardner Minshew. I think if they, quite frankly, if they go a half a year before they hand the reins over. I think he's a really capable and and likable guy to groom. And you made, you know, Kevin, you made a really good point when they signed him. Of he is a guy that had to take reps as a young player and can can kind of mold somebody on what exactly all goes into that. Started twelve games as a rookie, and Jake, remember Gardner he played well as a rookie. Gardner Mitchell and Anthony Richardson worked out together at some point this offseason. So there is a little familiarity there. I'm not acting like they're best friends, but there is some background between those two as well. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.